Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS NFL Podcast. I'm Katie Mox here with Ryan Wilson and RJ White. Today is our Rookie of the Year betting show. Make sure you keep it Keep it locked with us next week for more off-season news. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube page. The chat is already going off. Prediction on how late they will start today. 40 minutes from Captain Spock there. Come on, you guys. Brinson is on vacation. We're only three minutes late today. It's not that bad. Not only that, RJ, they brought the A-team. Yes. Me and you. I'll be B.A. Baracus. You can be uh, George Rippard. Um, <laughs> first of all, Wilson, what's is that a Red Sox Jersey or a Red Sox sweatshirt you have on? No. Thanks for asking, though. It is a B for the Ball and School Bees. That's a local high school. You get oh. suckered into buying all this merch when your kid goes to school there. So that's that's where I'm at in the, uh, the process. But uh, Okay, because I was going to be like a Boston Red Sox fan is an interesting choice for you. Let's see. Right here, this is Fenway Park. Oh, maybe like not. the that 80s. I lived in Boston for, for a little bit for three years. So, and I was, uh, I was, a, I was a baseball fan growing up, and I loved the Red Sox. This is how old I am. Like, I was a huge Wade Boggs guy, so that was back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, but, yeah, Fenway Park is one of the first parks I went to. I don't watch baseball now, but that's enough about my baseball being happy. Yeah, that's, we don't need to talk about baseball anymore. RJ, how are we doing here? We had you on the show before the draft. You were telling us what the market was dictating. So before we get into some of these awards, how did your bets do? And did the market market really dictate how a lot of this went? Or were you surprised by the draft? The the bets, the picks on Sportsline did pretty well. Um, but in a long story short, no. I don't think anybody had a good handle on what was going to happen. The market thought, you know, different times, different people were going to be the number two pick. Kind of had settled on them passing on a quarterback, the Houston at two. And they, of course, took the quarterback, traded up to three in that bonkers trade. Kind of threw everybody's mock drafts in the trash. Then you get to five. Everybody connected Jalen Carter based on the odds to Seattle. They go with Witherspoon, which really nobody, I think, was considering. So um, it kind of goes a little bit south there. But we did pretty good. Um, in my mock, I had a Philly trading up to seven to get Tyree Wilson. So I projected him at seven. And that's where the Raiders ended wow. up taking him. So that was a nice little 10 to one payout. We had wow. a day two picks post come out um, with some good hits there on um, certain things to happen, including Hen and Hooker going to the Lions at 10 to one. So um, some good stuff. Good stuff. Wilson, how were your mock drafts? You did like 50 of them. Yeah, I think you put them all together. I still probably missed about eight or nine. I think the final mock draft, I missed on five or six guys. But the headline for my final mock draft was an absolute grand slam eight-run homer. I had the headline read, uh, let's see. I start. Anthony Richardson goes top five. Mm-hmm. Will Lewis falls. And the Steelers trade up for an offensive tackle. Whoa. I get points right. for that, right, RJ? Yeah. Nailed it. I had what's frustrating is like, you know, I put together my final mock and then like I I don't put it out till Thursday. So I react to all the late breaking reports. So I did have the Steelers trading up for a tackle and then things just worked a little bit differently that I didn't have them trading up. So um, you just it seems like when you're trying to get perfect, you uh, make you you undo a lot of the good stuff um, and then uh, it just never works out. 100 percent. Well, all right, moving on, guys. Let's talk awards for some of these guys that were just drafted. So Offensive Rookie of the Year, Bijan Robinson, is the favorite. Running backs often have the clearest path to uh, top-end production in their rookie campaign, followed by the quarterbacks, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. What are you thinking right now, um, RJ? Who who would you place your money on for Offensive Rookie of the Year? 
Yeah, so the last 10 years, it's been four running backs, three quarterbacks, three receivers, kind of an even split, though it hasn't been a running back since Saquon. But you can see why Bijan's the, the number one pick. He's going to, in these, sometimes it's hard to have a favorite going into the season. You get a situation where no running backs go in the first round, and then you're talking Brees Hall versus Kenneth Walker. You get a tight grouping of receivers, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and you have no good quarterbacks so, so or, or quarterbacks that are closely ranked together. So it's hard to find a standout. But Bijan obviously was the guy who was talking about if positional value wasn't thing, he might be the number one pick in the draft. You know, it, it's, He's that good. So it's it's easy to see why he's the favorite. Um, the last five have all been top 10 picks. So I think if you're looking for a bet, you have to look in that top 10. But um, Kamara at 67, Dak at 135 were the two before that. So there is a little bit of space to go a little bit off the board. Just speaking to Ryan's pick of Anthony Richardson to go in the top five. I like his odds here at nine to one. He's the fifth out of these options. I don't think that 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 makes sense to me, especially looking comparing him to the other two quarterbacks. Um, Shane Steichen had success turning Hurts into MVP candidate. Hurts wasn't the starter his rookie year. Richardson come in and prepare as the starter, get a full workload. Maybe he hits the ground running. His rushing ability is the statistical bonus that's going to give him, you know, that Josh Allen type of elevation to his game. His passing numbers doesn't have to necessarily be as good as some of the other guys because he's going to be be good on the rushing front. And he does have an easier schedule. They play the NFC South. He gets to play the Raiders, Pats, and Rams as some of the unique opponents on top of playing, you know, everybody in that bad division twice. And then games against the NFC North will be tough. But I think he does have a pathway to put up some good stats. And at nine to one, it doesn't make sense to me. He should be closer to those other two quarterbacks who are four to one and six and a half to one. Yeah, you go through this list, and I'm just having it sorted now by quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. And it's hard to find. I mean, Bijan is the favorite for a reason. He's in a situation where he's going to get the ball a lot. They have a young quarterback. They do have Drake London and Kyle Pitts um, to help out, but it feels like the the offense is going to go through Bijan. And Jameer Gibbs is going to have to share carries and and um, snaps with the the wide receivers. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigman Seahawks. It feels like that's going to be a situation where he's going to have to share snaps with Ken Walker the second. Uh, not to mention DK and, and Tyler Lockett. So you just go down the list there. I'm trying to find a sleeper at the running back position, RJ, that might have some value. I have a couple of good ones. You can give me your, your thoughts on whether you like either of these guys. Oh, let me give you one real quick, and then you can tell me. Roshan Johnson's a guy that I love. I don't know where That's he – one of mine too, yeah. Yeah, because I thought he should have gone higher than he did. He ended up going in the fourth round. I liked him in the middle of day two. And he's an absolute workhorse, low mileage because he played behind Bijan. Um, who do you have? That is one for me. I mean, we don't know how good he is because he played behind Bijan. So a lot of these guys get to go be feature backs because they're the best backs on their team. When you're behind Bijan, you're kind of like at the mercy of, of him, you know, and, and what you can do. So he might actually be the second best running back in this class. We just don't know. He hasn't had that that much time, as much time to prove himself as some of these other guys. Uh, I think the rushing ability of Justin Fields widens the defense and Roshan can go up the middle, exploit his size and probably even get in some space with some safeties and run him over. Um, so I think he could bust some long plays. That'll kind of be the signature highlight reel kind of thing. And he does have a great opportunity quick to quickly get the running back one workload with Dante Foreman, the guy ahead of him. And Khalil Herbert is more of a complimentary piece. So I think the the pathway is there at 40 to one. I do like him as a um, as a sleeper. My other sleeper at the running back position is Devon A-Chain. Mm. Uh, not a lot of competition in the Miami backfield. And he can hit those highlight explosive plays too. Just, you know, that deep speed and can run off and uh, that Miami passing attack is going to leave a lot of room for running backs to operate. You look at Mostert and Wilson's numbers last year, both were nearly five yards per carry just because mm-hmm. you're not worried as worried about them. You're worried about stopping those run receivers. So if that carries over, there's going to be a lot of space for a chain. If he can get that, you know, lead back carry and lead that backfield. So I kind of like him as a, uh, the Alvin Kamara, maybe it hits as a day two kind of pick kind of guy at 40 to one. And then, like you said, Roshan Johnson, my one non running back sleeper would be Jonathan Mingo at 75 to one. Ooh, I was just looking at him. Good. Like it. big target for Bryce young love when teams take that receiver with the next pick after the franchise quarterback, we see it a lot. They get their franchise quarterback and they circle back and get the guy they want to be the number one targets are wide open in Carolina. I'm not counting on Adam Thielen to be a number one at this point of his career, I'm not counting on DJ Chark, Terrence Marshall to be that number one. So if Minko does have what it takes and is the guy that Carolina thinks he is when they took him as high as they did in that top 40, um, then I think he has a slight chance to do it. The problem is if he has a huge season, Bryce Young probably does too. And Bryce Young is probably going to win that award. But I do like 75 to one's at least a little interesting to me. Yeah. Devin H.A. And we talked to him at the combine and I, I asked him, um, have you ever, because he has track, legit track speed. I think he ran 10.1, 800. I was like, have you ever gotten caught from behind? He goes, I have no idea. At any age, when it feels like a cop, this has never happened to me in my life. He also at 188 runs between the tackles, so he's not just a bounce it outside and go. And I think that makes makes him even more interesting than that Mike McDaniel run game, where he can run between the tackles or just beat everyone around the corner and uh, see you to the end zone. So I love those guys. 
Uh, RJ, when, when do you actually bet these? I mean, we're talking about it today. Are these bets that you're placing today or do you wait a little bit longer to do these um, these type of awards? So I think it kind of depends on the guy you want to bet. I think a guy like Richardson is going to be popular and these mm-hmm. odds are going to come down. So you may take them now. These um, these sleepers, I mean, they're really going to have to win the job to, to jump up in odds. So And that's not going to happen until camp. So I think there is time to wait. Maybe see if some some consensus builds around Bijan. He drops from being 350 to you know, 200 or 250. And there's obviously a balancing of the odds that happens. So if that happens, you might be able to get A-Chain Roshan at 50 to 1 instead of 40 to 1. So that, that can happen. The thing is though if you do get behind news and you do announce that Roshan's the leader for the for the number one role his odds will drop precipitously and then you've missed your chance okay makes sense let's look at um defensive player of the of the year now will anderson is the favorite uh oh no jalen carter is the favorite this is what jalen carter plus 500 will anderson jr plus 500 and you got tyree wilson lucas van Ness, and then christian gonzalez who are you looking at here for defensive player of the year rj yeah, so first it has to be a round one player, and usually a high round one player to have a chance to win. Um, and that's part of that mentality of who's the leader in the club, you know, going into the season in m- people's minds. It's those high first round picks. Six of the last seven have been in the top twelve. Um, the other one that hasn't has been um, not um, Leonard Shaquille Leonard now. Um, Parsons and Lattimore just outside the top ten, but they do qualify for that top twelve. There's only been three guys since 1988 to go outside of round one. All of them were in the 30s, so high round two. That Shaquille Leonard, D'Amico Ryan's, Kendra Bell. Um, though that situation. So if you're looking for sleepers here, you can't go too far. It really has to be in that mold of being in that. Typically you want to go top 12, but if you really about, want to go with the sleeper, it's got to be in the first rounds. What about What's Joey that? Porter Jr.? You don't think that's a good a sleeper? I mean, obviously in the second round, but I feel like a lot of draft, draft analysts thought that he would go in the first round and he has the best odds of anyone from the second round. He's got a chip on his shoulder and I think he's going to fit well in the Steelers defense. That could be an option. Um, 22 to one's a little bit too. I think there's still value in his name built into that. And he's a little overvalued. Um, I, I would expect that number to be a little bit less to get value in the, um, in the second round to go with him. My top pick is going to be Devin Witherspoon. Just mm-hmm. he's at pl- 10 to one. Um, and, and it's history's against him. We've never had defensive backs win this in back to back years. It feels like one wins it. And then the people get tired of voting for them and they go find the pass rusher to vote, vote for or the high tackles linebacker. So, um, but he is a top five pick. He should have shorter odds than Gonzalez, who's at 10 to 1, and Lucas Van Ness, who are outside that top five and actually outside the top 12 that I referenced earlier. So 10 to 1 just seems to me like you're not pricing him correctly based on the history of this award. If he's good, too, QBs can't avoid him. You know, a lot of times people draft a cornerback in these terrible secondaries. And um, then if they're good, you can go away from them. But he's got Tariq Woolen on the other side. Great year last year. Um, I think that alleviates some of that concern. So I think guys like maybe Tyree Wilson, I think is plus 650. They have a better chance of winning the award just overall. I just like the value with Witherspoon better. I think he should be in that grouping near the top. Yeah, the concern with um, Wilson is also the foot. We don't know where they are with that foot. That's what scared some teams off. Obviously, the Raiders weren't scared off. A name that I like, like Joey Porter Jr. does make some sense. He didn't have the ball production at Penn State, and that's part of the reason he slipped. But the guy I like is two names above him if you're watching on YouTube, Emmanuel Forbes. 14 interceptions, three years, six pick sixes. And of all the things that translate from one level to the next, whether it's high school to college, college, NFL, it's creating turnovers. And if Emmanuel Forbes, and I would imagine he'll get targeted early on until folks figure out whether he's good or not, he'll have those opportunities. He only weighs 166, but he's 6'1", and he doesn't play like he's 166. I love Devin Witherspoon. I think RJ's points are good when there's Tariq Woolen on the other side, so pick your poison. But I think Emmanuel Forbes has an opportunity to get some some picks early before people sort of catch on to him and, and see if he's legit or not, and uh, then he can be off and running. But I, I like him. Um, I don't know if that number plus 1,500 is, is appeased or not to you, RJ, but I like it a lot better than the Joey Porter Jr. number and even the, the Tay Banks number right below it. Yeah, I like it better than Porter number. I still think it's a little too close. He's he's behind that, you know. It, it's it's. I think I would want him to be a little bit more long shot. There's a guy that was drafted ahead of him, a defensive guy who's forty to one. That would be my sleeper mm-hmm. to go with, and that's Will McDonald. Um, not a lot of buzz with him because he wasn't expected to be drafted that high, um, and it's hard to find value at defensive rookie of the year with how often those round one picks hit. But at forty to one, he's not being treated like a top fifteen pick in the odds. Seven other players are at forty to one. Only one of them was a round one pick, and that was Brian Brisset at twenty nine. 
doesn't really qualify for like the guy you would think of to win this award. Mm. So really just, just um, being, being completely dismissed in these odds. And they didn't, they drafted him over O-line help and they didn't do that to not use him. And elite defense is like the Jets are going to give him opportunities to get at quarterback. Cause it's not like you can just focus on stopping him with, with people there. So I think there's a world where since there's not a huge standout pass rusher questions on whether Will Anderson is going to put up big sack numbers in the league, Tyree Wilson's health, like Ryan brought up, that Will McDonald could be the guy to get to 10 sacks first and maybe be the guy that wins that award as a 40 to one. And we know he's going to get the national attention being a New York jet. Hey, RJ, let me ask you this. And I'm notorious for asking questions that people don't readily have the answers to, but do you remember off the top of your head, what Aiden Hutchinson's rookie of the year defense rookie of the year odds were? I don't, but it was very high. It was, it was, he might've even been the favorite to start because people yeah. thought that, that was a reach. The Trayvon Walker pick was a reach and they liked him better. But um, even if he wasn't the favorite when we closed, it was, he was up there. Definitely. And that's where I'm coming on Will Anderson. Like, I think that's going to be that type of production, like eight or nine sacks, a couple of strip sacks. And, that, and then the question becomes, can someone beat that at some other position? Um, I don't, what are the Will Anderson odds? I wasn't looking when they were up. He's a co-favorite at five to one. Okay. So you're talking about who can beat that. And there's one guy that fits the parameter of being not quite a, top, a round one pick, but in that top 40. And uh, not a guy I think we talk a ton about in the pre-draft process. And that's Derek Hall. 60 mm. to one went to Seattle fits the parameters being a top 40 pick at number 37 going to a team where edge rush was needed. He's a power rusher. I'm sure you could break him down a lot better as a prospect than I can, but what I've read about him, power rusher can exploit some of the weaker offensive tackle talent that's in the NFC West. We know offensive tackle been an issue for Arizona, Los Angeles, and um, he can put up some, some sacks, I think. And so in that class of edge rushers, if eight or nine is where like the favor is getting to, he might be the one that gets a 10 and two and just out of a little bit out of nowhere mm. and start to build up some, some, um, you know, some backing to win this award, especially if Seattle is in the hunt for a playoff spot. And they are um, right now, I think sixth in the make the playoffs odds in the, in, in the NFC. So they're expected to be a playoff team and he could be a part of that. And people might start talking about him if he starts piling up sacks against some of these bad tackles. Yeah, Derek Halls, he's got he's got a little twitch to him. He, he was fun to watch coming off the edge. It'll be interesting to see uh, how he gets used and how often he gets used early on in Seattle. All right, we're going to take a quick break, break here. You're watching the Pick 6 Podcast, and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phenomenal! Absolutely magisterial here! Welcome back to Pick 6. Follow us here at Pick 6 Pod across all social media platforms. And we are talking offensive and defensive rookies of the year. I feel like you guys have already touched on this, but uh, that's our next point here is talk about some of these long shots for the award. Anybody else that you would hit on? Well, the reason I like guys like Derek Hall and uh, fits that mold, the top 40 pick is if you saw on those odds boards, you get guys like Jervon Dexter and like, you know, the Quan Martin, these guys at a little bit above him. And it just doesn't really make sense to, to back one of those guys. Um, especially when they don't profile as what voters are looking for in this award. They go into a season with expectation. I really think you have to hit that top 40 pick. So when you're looking for your value, even if there's a sleeper in the draft that you kind of like, especially on the defensive side, you just got to know that if he didn't go in the top 40, he's probably not going to be in the race for this award because nobody that hasn't been a top 40 pick has won the award since 1988. Yeah, I'm looking down the list here. I don't want to go like crazy deep, but Nolan Smith, I saw his name earlier situational pass rusher maybe for philadelphia can have like uh, an alton smith type impact i think alton had double digit oh, sacks his first alton year smith. yeah so i mean just something like that I, i'm looking here like two uh two lead two pillow two out of usc is another fun guy that i really like mm. watching 
uh, about 266 coming out of USC, where he ends up playing. There he is right there, plus uh, 5,000. For the Chargers, the Chargers who historically, recently historically struggled with finding defensive line help. They obviously have edge help, but maybe if there's an opportunity for him to to win because Bosa slash Mac are getting uh, more attention, that could be a, a door to to perhaps a few more sacks than people expected. But it's just so hard to – the problem is you watch these guys play in college and they dominate and they come to the NFL and there's an adjustment period and they struggle. Typically, they battle some soft tissue injuries, whether it's a hamstring or whatever, calves, and then they don't play a lot. So you're, you're, you're betting on everything going perfectly, and the, re- the reality is it's usually far from that. And, you know, that's why RJ can tell you better than me. It's a lot hard. It's, a, it's, it's incredibly difficult to figure out what's what. Yeah, I think one one of the, the another decent long shot to play is Jack Campbell. I think a lot of people thought he was a reach going to Detroit at 18, but he still does fit that, you know, high first round pick mold that people will be thinking about him. And the fact that they didn't do as much to address the pass rush means they're probably going to be tackle opportunities for Jack Campbell. If he comes in and he is is playing, you know, every down as we expect, he's going to have a chance of a lot of tackles. So even if he doesn't have the Luke Keekley type of profile to his game, like if he puts up Luke Keekley type of stats, people are going to start looking at him if he's piling up 10 tackles a game and nine tackles a game. And there's no other like breakout 12 to 14 sack guy. There's no five to six interception guy. Maybe it goes to the guy that's generating a lot of tackles for a team that people think are going to win that division uh, for the first time in, in, you know, probably forever. No, that's a good call. They have some some fat guys in the middle. They have a, a Liam McNeil from NC State. They drafted Broderick Martin, a really good player at West Kentucky. So that's going to take some of the pressure off um, the offensive line and getting to the second level and allow Jack Campbell, who's tested through the roof and plays pretty fast too, uh, to do his thing. That's a good call. All right, let's move do you on. Like, to more. Oh, well, I was going to yep. say uh, somebody asked about Dalton Kincaid. Do we like Dalton Kincaid? And my issue with tight ends is they just don't perform well in, in year one typically. So it's really hard. I mean, if Kyle Pitts couldn't couldn't get into that race, he was the sleeper that I liked a few years ago yeah. to be in that race, and he just complete non-factor. So if he couldn't do it, I don't know that Dalton Kincaid in an offense with a lot of targets is going to do it. Um, so I think the odds for for a guy like Kincaid just aren't don't present don't give us any value. But it is interesting to see him down at twenty five to one when guys like Rasheed Rice or 22 to one. I think Rasheed Rice is kind of the surprising name on that board being at 22 to one, I guess, just for the factor that he is a Kansas city chief and he has the same odds as Zay flowers who went in the first round. He's over Quentin Johnson who went in the first round. So um, Ryan, what do you think about Rasheed Rice? Does he actually have the, the ability to come in and be a factor in this race? If he does hats off to him. I don't, I don't get it watching him play. He timed pretty well. I think he ran four five one. He plays a lot slower than that. And, Physically, he's the replacement for Juju Smith-Schuster, but Juju played inside. Rasheed plays a lot of outside. So I don't know what their plans are for him, and I would be shocked if he puts up better than Juju Smith-Schuster numbers in year one. Now, look, I could be wrong, and, and obviously the evaluators in Kansas City know a lot more than I do um, for a lot of reasons. But based on what I saw, and, and I know Rick Spielman felt the same way I did, it just wasn't there on tape. The thing about Don Kincaid that I mentioned, um, and you mentioned some other players that had better odds and, um uh, who else did you, who did you say had better odds? Uh, Dalton Kincaid, um, 22 to 1. Zay Flowers, I mean, uh, he's at the same level as Quentin Johnston. Jordan Addison, right. 16 to 1. Richie gotcha. Rice, 22 to 1. So, And here's the thing about Dalton Kincaid, and you know this better than I do. He's on a team that has five or six guys that can be targeted on every single snap. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about Steph Diggs, Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, James Cook, and then you got to share the football, and that complicates matters when you're trying to rack up yardage and score touchdowns and, and make your case for – rookie of the year, offensive player of the year, whatever it is you're going for. Yeah, the one other guy I want to ask you about was Josh Downs. Um, being in that indie, um, you know, going with Anthony Richardson has kind of the same factor to the Jonathan Mingo pick of maybe um, it, it, it draws away from him if that offense is doing well then the quarterback gets it. Um, but Josh Downs, I think, could come in and be like the reliable target for him right away, maybe more so than than um, Michael Pittman being more of the big play threat. So if Josh Downs, is he the type of player that can come and put up a big catch total and factor into this race if he can find the end zone enough? I know with those type of players, you just don't know if they're going to score two touchdowns or 10 touchdowns. So here's here's the thing. He was, say the Sam, touchdowns go. Yeah. And he was Sam Howell's favorite target and he was Drake May's favorite target. So he, he can play with big-time quarterbacks and finds ways to get open. UNC's offense is a little quirky. I think he's better than Michael Hardman, who he's sort of replacing. He's an upgrade. He's a little more polished as a route runner, a little more dynamic, even if he didn't test quite as well. So I, I like that. It's just a matter of can Anthony Richardson consistently get him the ball or if Gardner Minshew's your guy for the first month and a half of the season, whatever, can he do it? I feel better about that. But I like the pick, and I think it's a good fit. And maybe, as you mentioned, Pittman finds, rediscovers this game. They have Alan Pierce. 
So they have some pieces there, but um, I, I think he has that. That's a long shot that I actually would be intrigued by. And you have, do you have any value at all on your guy uh, Darnell Washington? You know, Steelers guy. I know he's not a not a statistical threat as those guys, but I mean, mm-hmm. he is buried on these odds. He's a hundred to one. The last name on this list with Cameron Latu, Tucker Craft, Trey Tucker, Trey Tucker. Um, so uh, behind guys like Luke Shoemaker, Michael Wilson, Jonathan Mingo, we talked about before. So um, yeah. I don't know. Does he factor in at all in this race? I think those odds check out. There were some concerns about his knee. That's why he fell. Uh, and then you have Pat Fryermuth in front of him. So those are two things that are against him. And he, look, they may have drafted him in the third round just to be a blocker. Let's be real, mm-hmm. which he is really good at. He's not quite developed as a as a receiver. In fact, he wasn't the best tight end on that Georgia team. But I I would be shocked, and I mean shocked in the same way I'd be shocked if I woke up tomorrow and had an afro if Darnell Washington <laughs> rookie of the year. Yeah, I, I just know that the conversation with him is he dropped and people were surprised. And he's a, one of the big reason why people thought Steelers had one of the best classes. So yeah, I know people are going to see that name and be like, maybe that's a guy I should play. But I'm yeah. against tight ends in general. And I, I'm kind of on your level that 100 to 1 still isn't worth it to me. It's got to be longer than that. And he dropped You're because against of the tight ends in general. As rookies, as is because okay. they just don't produce as rookies. So I mean, okay. they can come and, and the ones that do. I mean, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, these are guys aren't aren't the guys that you would have bet to win Rookie of the Year. You know, when they True. come out because they're just not high picks anyway. So if you do want to look at a tight end and just go crazy, maybe you look at a guy like Luke Musgrave at seventy five to one or Shoemaker at seventy five to one, and just and just bypass the Dalton Kincaid's of the world. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about more futures, division winners, who's going to make and miss the playoffs, win totals. RJ, what is the market dictating right now in terms of who you should jump on for team win totals or division winners? Yes, the interesting thing, we talk about division winners every year, and you always get those ones that emerge as like minus 280 favorites and minus 320 that you know are going to win the division, but it's just not value to play the Bills and the Chiefs of the world, those type of things. That just isn't happening right now. Maybe it will happen as people as, as people bet on these and, and the odds skew. There's only three teams with minus odds to win the division right now. The biggest favorite is not the Chiefs or the Bills. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars at minus 160, mm-hmm. which if you would have said, who's the team most likely to win the division? Jacksonville Jaguars. I think everybody would kind of scoff at that. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. But because the the current market is like that, expecting a lot of wide open races. Um, there, I think there is value to be had on the favor. A lot of the favorites right now, if you like them, Bills at plus one thirty five. Think that has a little value. Bengals at plus one twenty. Think has some value. Think people are expecting more from Baltimore than they showed last year. Philly is plus one hundred five. You would expect them to be with how they perform to be minus odds right. by the time we get to August. And then even teams like the Chiefs and the 49ers, both around minus 150, I think those get bet up too. So if you like any of those teams, I think now is a smart time to bet them because it's not probably not going to get any cheaper than that. Man, so I'm looking at, I don't want to disrespect Katie, but those uh, <laughs> Eugene Smirl, Smith, uh, Eugene Cyril Smith at third odds, plus 250. I don't hate that. Now the concern is can... Gino do it in back-to-back years, but this team I think on paper is better than they were at the end of last season, and I like that, and it feels like there's some reasons for optimism. I thought they had a really good draft, and it... Now, are you saying this because we don't know who the quarterback's going to be with San Francisco? Or are you Um, saying this just because Seattle, you think, is a better team than the Niners? Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about the quarterback situation in in San Francisco, but I mean, that's obviously a, a, a good point. But I'm just thinking about a year away from Russ Wilson leaving and any doubts that remained, and those doubts seem to go away pretty quickly, those are a long-gone afterthought at this point. And it feels like Pete Carroll and John Schneider, the coach and GM, that team is buying in, and they're supported Geno. They didn't draft a quarterback. All the things to sort of tell the quarterback, this is your team going forward, and I think the defense is going to be a lot better. What do you think about that, RJ? Yeah, a lot of premium picks in the draft, too, so you can get better right away through the draft with Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Derek Hall and guys guys like that. They were actually on my list. I have five dogs I like that um, I wouldn't play now. I think the favorite's going to get pricier. Dogs are going to add some value. So maybe 260 might not be the best price you can get on Seattle throughout the process. But Seattle is one team I was looking at for the the the, 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 the um, reasons you gave. They're a team on the rise. Who knows how that San Francisco quarterback situation plays out, like Katie's saying. Um, so I do think Seattle does have value. I don't think the gap between those two teams is as big as um, that is is uh, that the minus 155 to plus two, 260 speaks to. And a lot of that is I know the quarterback situation went very wrong for San Francisco last year with all the the, the backups having to, to – fill in everything else went pretty right you know and and they didn't have much else go wrong and um then you get a little bit of the coaching drain you know who who, 
I know the next guy up for the San Francisco defensive thing just seems to be the, the case in their their coaching ability to generate good coaches there. But who knows, you know, if, if the next guy can be as successful as some of the other ones. So we'll see. I just think that they're a little bit overvalued in the market right now. And I'm with Ryan that Seattle is undervalued, but they might be a little bit more undervalued. So they were one of my five picks that of dogs I'm looking at right now, but I think I might be able to get better prices at a little down the road. But RJ, don't you think that we might get better prices on the 49ers a little bit down the road? Historically, they start pretty slow. The the first half of the season, you know, that's when they lose kind of a chunk of their games. Plus, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Is it Trey Young? Is Brock Purdy going to be available? So let's say they come, they lose a couple games out there in the beginning. You probably could get better odds with San Francisco if you wait until the season starts. If you're talking about in-season betting, then maybe. We still don't know what the schedule is going to look like. That's coming out next week. So I think that'll dictate a lot of that. Who are they playing early in the season? If they have to go at Seattle in, in one of the first couple games, maybe Seattle gets a jump on them and you're going to get better value with San Francisco at that point. So we'll see how the schedule looks like there. And, and you're correct. Maybe, but if guys get cleared, if Purdy's ahead of, ahead of the game, maybe yeah. people bet them up and they go up to that minus 200 range where where some of these, we see these very, very good teams, you know, kind of laying in that minus 200 or better range. So um, I think a lot is, uh, the jury is kind of still out on that. I just think they fit that. The favorites in these divisions are going to go up just because we see the favorites typically tend to be higher favorites than they are now. And so if you want to give value on some of these teams, I don't think that value is going to be there in August. Katie, can I point out that you don't like Trey Lance so much? You called him Trey Young. Trey Young. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, Trey Trey Lance. Trey Young. Wow, I'm mixing up the names here. Yeah, look, it's not that I don't like Trey Lance. I just – he hasn't shown me anything to say that he's the guy. Purdy has shown, you know, he's – one more than any other rookie and and he did so great and and he beat Tom Brady and he looked the offense opened up with him more than Jimmy Garoppolo. I haven't seen any yet from Trey. And uh maybe we will this year, but <laughs> how, how could you how could you, Ryan Wilson and RJ White, how could you say we want Trey Lance to start over Brock Purdy when you saw what Brock Purdy did? I don't know if you necessarily want to say that. The only thing that's stopping Brock Purdy is that his elbow is still in two pieces. And I think if he were healthy, I think you're rolling him out there not thinking twice about it. The only thing, not the only thing, one of the few things that is quote-unquote saving Shanahan and Lynch from having to answer all these questions about why a guy's name they traded up from 12 to 3 a few years ago to trade Lance, that they're winning, and they were very close to the Super Bowl, um, and they, they've been really good. But it is curious to me that they don't really have an idea about how the quarterback position works, and they're still as good as they are. But, hey, as long as you're winning, no one cares. and I think that's sort of the takeaway. Yeah, the thing I'll say about Trey Lance is that a his his little bit that he has gotten to play didn't come with Christian McCaffrey, and that's a very very easy way to have a good quarterback play is have a guy that talented on your offense. So Brock Purdy gets a little get advantage to that. But also long term, they had a plan in place when they trade three first round picks to go get Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan has an idea of what his offense looks like with Trey Lance, and I think that offense in his mind has a higher ceiling than what Brock Purdy showed. Um, where the defense what was winning a lot of those games, and Brock Purdy was playing well. I'm not going to take anything away from him there's a reason he was the mr irrelevant though he wasn't expected to be this good and his his uh mid-range his median outcome probably isn't as good as he looked last year so maybe there's some things that that help the schedule the 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 um, surrounding cast um that he isn't necessarily a top five quarterback in this league but trey lance in the system that i think um that kyle shanahan had in mind for him when they decided to spend three first round picks on him could be a top five quarterback if it all comes together injuries might have already derailed that so who knows well, uh, uh, Wilson, I want to ask you, though, about the draft, because I do think that there was like a, a little bit of a Brock Purdy effect. A lot of teams were drafting quarterbacks later in the rounds. Was that surprising Sweet to you? Mercy. A lot of guys went that I didn't think was were going to go as high as they did. And at the top of that list is not Stetson Bennett, who I, I get. I mean, if you're the, the Shanahan's or the Sean McVay's of the world and you're drafting a uh, quarterback, you get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but Sean Clifford went way higher than I thought. I think he ended up going in round five. Let me double check here. Sean Clifford went in the middle of round five to the Packers. Like that, I don't get. Whatever, we'll see how it works out. I do want to point out though, Debo made this note to me last week. Either my, I do these way too early mock drafts. So going into Brock Purdy's junior year, I think that was 2021, I had him going in the first round. Oh. And he had a really good next to last year at Iowa State. His last year at Iowa State, he tried to do too much. And to RJ's point, played himself out of getting drafted almost altogether, who's the very last player taken. But there's tape of him out there being really good. And there were conversations like he was on people's lists, um, but he just 
and I think he admitted that, you know, he didn't have much around him. He was trying to do all the heavy lifting and sort of blew up in his face. But looking at this draft class, top five guys we all knew about. It was just the order in which they went. Jake Hayner was the next quarterback off the board. He went in the round four. That's not necessarily unexpected, but once you get past Hendon Hooker, the expectations that these guys are going to be backups. And in terms of athletes in the Brock Purdy sense, Stetson Bennett fits that bill. Dorian Thompson Robinson is more Trey Lance than than uh, Brock Purdy in terms of his athleticism, and he has a better arm than, than Purdy too. Sean Clifford sort of fits that bill. Jaron Hall out of BYU went to the Vikings. He went late in round five. I liked him, his tape a lot. He fits that athletic build as is Max Doug in the last quarterback drafted out of TCU. Tanner McKee went to the Eagles. That was probably one of the weirdest picks in the draft because he's 6'6", and he probably would lose a foot race to, to me and RJ. Like, he is slow. <laughs> like, I don't know how he fits that offense and what they want to do. But there was what felt like in some to some degree, a, a Brock Purdy effect in that you're, you're taking flyers on guys. You need guys to run the scout team. You need guys to be backups in case, as 49ers will tell you, in case someone gets hurt, you don't want to be rolling guys out there that – had on their t- on their twelfth team or or whatever, and, and you want to have a plan. But um, I got it. I think fifteen total quarterbacks went. I think that was the number, which was I don't know what the how recently that's happened, but that feels pretty rare. Well, I think it's a, it was a record from, from what I understood. That as, is indeed as, rare. <laughs> as, as many many quarterbacks taken. Yeah, um, on the Brock Purdy front, look, finding the next Brock Purdy it was so frustrating hearing that throughout the draft. Like, who's yeah. this guy? Oh. The Brock Purdy effect. Brock Purdy effect. It's like if you yeah. draft him, you better draft Kyle Shanahan next because that's yeah. the reason why Brock Purdy is, is as good as he was. So if you're just taking a guy and you're the Vikings and you don't have Kyle Shanahan, you know, and you expect the guy you take to be Brock Purdy, it's just not going to happen. You better have a plan in place and a way to maximize him. But I want to go to Tanner McKee. You said he's big, um, but he's slow. I wonder if, you know, the Eagles with that, the butt push play, and then they get guys first downs. And mm. maybe you save a little wear and tear on Jalen Hurts by getting a huge guy that can just fall forward. Crash that dummy. The butt push guy. So <laughs> Howard Tanner McKee's hands, is he, is he a fumble um, uh, worry? You know, or do, maybe they give him that very limited role of just going and getting out first downs and touchdowns and, and being that big butt push guy and, and take a little bit of wear and tear out of Jer- Jalen Hurts. So he doesn't, that because uh, the, the Chiefs did that too with Patrick Mahomes. He fell forward and he hurt his, his leg or his knee or his foot that yeah. one that one year. And I, I worry about that with Jalen Hurts. Don't don't let him get exposed to those hits. Go and throw a tall Tanner McKee type. Just go and fall forward if you need it. <laughs> Stanford crash test dummy. You don't see that a lot, but hey. Billy, RJ's an Eagles fan now. <laughs> so circling back to, to other um, division winner um, underdogs I like. Atlanta at plus 380. The moves this offseason tell you they believe they'll contend. Um, they finished last year with 7.9 Pythagorean wins. When we would talk about Pythagorean wins, all that means is that it's built upon what their points scored and points against tell you. So a team like the Vikings, who had a negative point differential, are going to do very bad in the category, even though they went 13-4. and four. Well, Atlanta was 7.9 Pythagorean wins. New Orleans led the division with eight. So it was a really tightly packed bunch. And Atlanta, I think, was better last year than, than probably giving credit for. I mean, though all those teams were right around. They're all bad, but they were all right around each other. So plus 380 seems like we're reading a little bit too much into how good say, the Saints might be. I think Atlanta thinks they're they're better than the market is telling you at plus 380. So I like them. Um, Ryan, you have any thoughts about Atlanta? It's a fair point. And two years ago, I think they won all their games by a total of like four points. It felt like every game was a close game. Last year, it felt like they were a little better. They got the quarterback situation they hope resolved in Desmond Ritter. But as I talked about earlier, that's why you draft B. John Robinson, take the pressure off Ritter, who coming out of Cincinnati struggled with accuracy. And that's in large part why he fell to the third round. And you have uh, Kyle Pitts. You have Drake London. You have Tyler Algiers. The, the pieces are in place to, to be a competitive football team in a not great division. And it's just a matter of Desmond Ritter being that guy. And if he is, I like this a lot. I think this makes a ton of sense. The defense is going to be much improved. They did a lot of things in the offseason to get better defensively. And uh, once again, you're going up against Baker, <laughs> Bryce Young, rookie, and then Derek Carr, who you know shrinks in big moments. So the the opportunity is certainly there much, much more than it would be if you're in the AFC or NFC West. In a Derek Carr and unfamiliar surroundings for the first time in his career, where yeah. where we don't we don't know how he reacts to that. So the third team I like out of my five is Miami at plus three twenty. They were a playoff team and they cycled quarterbacks all year. They never seemed like had any consistency at quarterback because they never knew who was going to be healthy and playing. Um, and they still made the playoffs. So obviously keeping to a healthy is paramount. 
But I think one of the most, the biggest moves of the offseason that nobody's treating is one of the biggest moves of the offseason. And this is because I'm a very big coaching matters proponent was adding Vic Fangio. That defense has been an underperforming defense for a long time and just being lucky and making it work off of takeaways. But they're always a typically pretty poor rated unit. Um, and Vic Fangio just isn't going to let that fly. He's going to come in. He's going to know how to, to work with some of these guys. And I think he's going to elevate what that defense does. We know the offense is going to be good with, um, you know, the brilliant mind of Mike McDaniel. They got up coordinating that. So um, I think you put those two together i like them better than the jets i think and all the aaron Rodgers love has boosted the jets odds over them i think the jets mm-hmm. might be plus 200 while the, the, the bills are like plus one 135 or whatever i said earlier but i would give miami a better chance at those odds of sneaking in and giving the bills a fight than the other uh, jets do you have you say you have two other teams two other yeah i'm gonna give you a team hopefully it's not your team if it is you can just piggyback off of that i mean if justin fields hits and everything they've done on that team to get better over the last five, six, seven months, whatever. Mm-hmm. No Aaron Rodgers. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yep. Expectations in Detroit are the highest that they, they've been in decades. And I do like Detroit a lot. Mm-hmm. But what are the Chicago odds? So interesting. They butt up against a, another team I like, which is going to be my next team. And that's Green Bay at plus four. Oh. <laughs> because Chicago was the worst team in the league last year. They picked. They had the number yeah, one pick. They didn't pick one. first, but they had the number one pick. And I know that they've gotten better, and they they made moves to get better, getting DJ Moore, all those things that you said. Defense probably isn't going to be as bad. But, you know, a leap up from w- the worst team in the league to division winner is tough. Jacksonville did it, um, you know, so maybe they can do it in what should be a competitive division. I just think Green Bay, Rodgers wasn't that good last year. And I know that that's not what that's not the guy that the Jets are trading for with that trade they made. They would expect him to be the guy of a couple of years ago. Um, but I just think that maybe Jordan Love is as good as Jordan as Aaron Rodgers was last year. We don't Whoa. know the ra- the range of out, uh, outcomes for Jordan Love is wide. He could hold be on a top one second. RJ White at CBSI.com. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, it's just, he's, yeah. he's a complete unknown and he looked better in the limited playing time he got last year than he did earlier. Um, and the division's wide open and, and I just, he could be a top five quarterback. He could be the, uh, Josh Rosen. We just don't know with him. And, and <laughs> that's so and, disrespectful. <laughs> so, well, I mean, Josh Rosen isn't in the league right now. He isn't, isn't playing football True. games right now. So, um, oh, so I, yeah. And I just think what we are, when you put green Bay as plus 400, well behind Chicago in this race, you are calling him that type of quarterback. You were saying he has already busted and they are going to need to do something at quarterback. And I just don't know that that's the case right now. So I would bet on the, on the op, you know, the, the optimistic side of him and maybe they can get in that race as Ryan was making the case about the other teams in the division. I think it's a wide open race. So going with the last place team here, who I don't know, they've had a history of success. They might not be replacing a quarterback. That's as good as we think just because of the body of work of Aaron Rodgers. We know he's going to be a hall of famer. I just didn't see that guy last year. And I think there's a possibility that Jordan Love can be close to that and they can be competitive in this race and look there they've gone out and and tried to help them in the draft they got mm-hmm. two tight ends uh i think they got lucas van Ness in the first round of the edge rusher but they're putting uh pieces uh around jordan love to give him success and i think you're right i, I think aaron Rodgers wasn't great last year i think jordan love we'll get we'll get to see for the first time in a long time what it looks like when a first round quarterback sits for a little bit because the last time that happened was Maybe Philip Rivers, I'm trying to think, for, for that length of time. And that was 2004. Then Aaron Rodgers came 2005. So that around that era. And um, who knows? <laughs> Maybe it'll work out. I think for the Bears to have a real chance, it all comes down to Justin Fields balling out. And if he struggles early on, if the offensive line is what we think it is, the defense gives up 35 points a game, all that stuff goes out the window. And maybe the coaching has a plan in place to maximize that offense and do some different things with Justin Fields. You know, don't don't rule out that that, that they could be a Shane Steichen level team. And, a, and a, maybe, I don't know about Kyle Shanahan. You're not going to compare people to that type of level. But maybe there's a hidden gear there where they come out with an offense that goes, whoa, we didn't expect anything like this. And, and your guy, advantage. Rashawn Johnson, being a part of it. Exactly. So the, the, the ability is there. It just didn't make sense for me with how successful the Green Bay franchise has been and just yeah. Jordan Love being an unknown to put them behind the Bears who were the worst team last year. That's a good point. And then I got one, a one, one more, more super long five? shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One more super long shot. We're going way down the board here with Houston at plus 900. So mm-hmm. this is the division that Jack, Jacksonville, the, uh, the juggernaut, is mm-hmm. supposed to, expected to win at minus 160, the biggest odds of anyone. It could be more up in the air. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's is going to make that defense better. The defense has been very yep. bad. And he's going to come and he's going to make that defense better just on his own, regardless of the talent. CJ Stroud, big quarterback upgrade to me um, and seem like a, a pro ready type of quarterback then come in and have success in his first year. 
good offensive line in front of him. The offensive line is the one thing that hasn't been an issue, and they have actually made some upgrades in the interior in that front too. So if Jacksonville does regress some, and we know that progression isn't a linear thing, you know, you don't go from two wins to nine wins to thirteen wins, and now you're you're super competitive unless you're the Bengals and you have Joe Burrow. Um, you know, so these teams can be a little bit shaky. Maybe Jacksonville has a seven and ten type of year, and then there's space for one of these teams with these rookie quarterbacks to jump up. And I'm saying with D'Amico Ryan's, if he really is an A plus coach, that could be the the team. So plus 900, I think is a pretty good value for that. Yep. I like it. I like it too. All right. We're going to take a quick break here. When we get back, which five underdog bets should you wait to bet? RJ has those answers. You're watching pick six. We'll be right back. Now streaming on Paramount plus. We should go to the Super Bowl. I'm in. Inspired by a true story. I'm taking this one. It's cute. One trip. Come on, ladies. Can change your life. I'm at a party with a bunch of kids. I'm 36. I'm a man. You're working on it. Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, and Sally Field. This has been the best weekend of my whole life. Why is champagne such a violent beverage? 80 for Brady. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Katie Mox here with Ryan Wilson and RJ White. Today is our Rookie of the Year betting show. All right, RJ, keep it uh, it going here. Who are five bets or five teams that we should wait to bet? Right. So so I think all those teams that we went over have value now, but I do think they're going to have more value because I think the value is going to go up on those favorites. So those would be the five to wait on. Um, If you're ready, I want to go on to a few other different futures markets that I think have a little bit of value that we can talk about here, starting with make, make and miss the playoffs. Is that all right? Yeah. So the AFC is stacked. Six teams are at minus 150 or higher. Miami's the seventh at minus 115. Everybody knows how stacked the AFC is. And, and I don't think there's much value trying to back a surprise team. But I don't hate New England at plus 250 to make the playoffs. Mm. For me, it's a coaching upgrade. It's it's <laughs> a Mac Jones, Ryan's guy, Ryan's uh, BFF. Did not have a chance with, with that offensive staff they put in place. And now he does with Bill O'Brien, who has gotten the most out of Sean Watson in the past. Know is a much better offensive mind. So I think he can come in. And uh, gel well with Mac Jones and really create an offense that that speaks to his strengths because in his rookie year he did show some strengths. You know he was very good downfield. He was efficient downfield. Um, and if Bill Belichick works his magic with the defense, I think they could be competitive. So I don't hate New England sneaking in as the six or seven seed at a plus two fifty. What do you think about that, Ryan? No, and look, they work together, Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones at Alabama. Uh, they have a rapport. They're both Type A hard ass types that don't put up with a lot of nonsense. We saw the reports over the. Uh, early in the offseason that Mac Jones was on uh, Bill Belichick's doo-doo list because he went outside the the family to try to figure out what was going on with why in God's green earth would a defensive coordinator call plays for the offense. Um, that ship has sailed, and, and I think the defense is going to be better. They got Christian Gonzalez. They drafted it. They got Marty Mapu, who I loved at Sacramento State. He's probably a safety move in the linebacker in much the same way Kyle Duggar did. And I mention that because they got bigger – uh, at the second and third levels, which is, they had a lot of small guys out there, sub six feet. So uh, they'll be better defensively, and they're going to need to be in that division. And then if, if Mac can have an opportunity <laughs> to make plays down the field, um, I think it was Raheem Morris who said it. Maybe it was another – trying to think of the defense – whatever the defense coordinator was. He said it looked like a defensive coordinator was calling plays for the offense when he watched the film, and he wasn't being funny. He was like, oh, this guy's incredibly conservative. He's not helping this team. And, and Matt Patricia. So I, I think this is a, a real chance, especially if the Bills and, and the Jets and the Dolphins are sort of punching each other in the face and, and you know hurting each other in much the same way we've seen the Steelers and the Bengals and, and the Ravens do that over the years and allow the, the team no one's paying attention to to, to make a little headway uh, in the meantime. 
Yeah, I'm not going to rule out Bill Belichick getting one over and out coaching some of these AFC East teams. I've seen it for too long as a Bills fan. Also, as a Bills fan, I maybe you can get some insight of why Christian Gonzalez was a little, was available a little bit later than than any, everybody expected. As a Bills fan, I had mocked him to 14 at, at at the Patriots at one point, and I was like, please don't let that happen. And then finally, like in my final mock, I didn't have him falling that far. So when he was available at 14, I was like, oh my god, they did it again. Then they traded down, and I'm like, oh thank God, they're not going to get Christian Gonzalez, and then they get him anyway. So I just don't know why he fell with do you have any insight into that yeah he was a top 10 guy i heard he was going to go pretty early he was my cornerback one just ahead of devin witherspoon and what i had heard is that he some teams question his toughness and by that i don't mean he's not willing to tackle but just in conversations and this is what happens during the pre-job process you bring the player in or you talk to him at the combine or wherever and you ask him questions and if you don't like the answer that can somehow that can uh, some, sometimes sort of taint your view of them as a football player on the field he was lights out he got a ton better coming from colorado oregon showed ball skills his sisters are track stars i think his parents are like basketball stars uh back in the day so he comes from an athletic family but i I think when he had conversations with some teams they didn't get the sense that he had a true quote-unquote killer instinct that doesn't mean that he's not going to be a great player clearly the patriots didn't care um but that's part of the reason that i've heard that he he slipped just a little bit but i still think he has a chance to be a really good football player to your point rj that the fact that your team uh that is uh, in the same division with the Patriots, and you don't love the fact that they got Christian Gonzalez. That indicates to me that you think it was a pretty good pick. Yeah, one that definitely scared me. So on the NFC side, I think that's the one to have a little more fun with and go out with some some long shot or plays, you know, at least some moderate long shots. Only six teams have minus odds. We know seven teams make the playoffs, so somebody with plus odds making the playoffs, even if the top six performed expectations. Seattle is six, that minus 130, though. I wanted to say that uh, building off your argument earlier, I would back them to make the playoffs, even if it's not win the division. I think minus 130 is good odds just with the state of that conference in general. They seem to me like a top five team in that conference. So I don't know why you would have them at minus 130. Um, mm. So the wild card race, the wide open beyond whoever loses Philly, Dallas is almost certainly going to get a wild card. And so I think there's room to back a moderate plus side underdog. I like Atlanta, like we talked about earlier. I do like Carolina too, also an easy projected mm. schedule for them. And with their quarterback upgrade and Atlanta's defensive upgrades, I think those are interesting sleeper wildcard picks um, that if even if one of them doesn't win the division, if the Saints are solid, sneak in with that sixth or seventh wildcard. Yeah, I'm looking around here. I, I think you're right. I think Carolina on paper got a lot better even before they drafted Bryce Young. And I, I think he's going to come in and just be – it's not going to be seamless, but if they can keep him upright, that offensive line can hold together. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch early. And I think both of those teams were plus 175, if I remember right, from what I saw. So I think that's just solid value to be getting in this prop where the in, in a conference where everything's wide open. What is the Vikings number? The Vikings were pretty close to even, I want to say. Um, I have to look it up, but it had it couldn't be more than like a plus 130. Yeah, because people aren't really talking about them unless they're and this I'm guilty of this as well, unless they're crapping on Kirk Cousins, who's 35, mm-hmm. final year deal. He's always sort of underachieved. I shouldn't say that. He gets that team to the playoffs, but in, in critical moments, you would like to see more sometimes. I'll put it that Prime way. Time. Prime time. Prime exactly. Plus, plus 120 for yes. Are we not taking this team seriously enough? I think Kevin O'Connell's a really good coach. Uh, I think they have some players. Dalvin Cook, we'll see where if he stays or goes. Um, they got Jordan Addison, who is going to be a lot of fun to watch. We didn't talk about him as a rookie of the year candidate on the offensive side, but there's a lot of c- competing interest on that team for the football but this division is wide ass open with Aaron Rodgers gone. And while Detroit, I like, they don't have a lot of experience with winning football games over the course of an entire season. So is that Vikings, that plus number, is that a good number or no? The issue for the Vikings, I mean, it's a solid number to say the conference is open. I think there are going to be, like I said, underdogs that, that emerge here. Um, and, and and considering they won 13 games somehow, even if they weren't quote unquote supposed to, you know, they give some level of, of you know, accountability to them and, and giving them a good job right. well done for that. Um, my problem with them was how bad the defense was. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was really bad last year, and maybe you can talk to uh, Brian Flores coming in. And w- does he have enough? Like I I believe Vic Fangio can fix that Miami defense and make them make them good right away and have them competing in in that division. I'm not sure what the issues that Minnesota had that Brian Flores can necessarily do that, especially when they prioritize going receiver in the first round. When I thought they definitely needed some defensive help. Yeah, the nickname around the Fort Lauderdale offices. You probably heard it more than I did for Donatel, the former defense coordinator, was Donna Shell because they just ran all these shell coverages. And I know fans on Twitter would be irate with the fact that everyone was so wide-ass open, uh, typically when um, teams were throwing against the Vikings. So I think Flores automatically changes that. He's a hard-nosed guy with an edge, and I think 
he's going to get uh, an immediate response from from his players. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to the field, but I think the the demeanor and the expectation is going to be a little different. And the aggressiveness, because it didn't feel at times like that Vikings defense was playing very aggressively. They're playing uh, more not to get beat uh, instead of just playing with their hair on fire. And uh, as BMAC likes to say all the time, I think he's had several coaches tell him this. I think it was his Florida State coach who's told him, I'd rather tell you woe than sick him. And I think that's sort of Brian Flores' mentality. Don't play scared. Just go out there and hit something. If you mess up, we'll figure it out. But don't play where you're trying to think about things and then you're half step slow and you get beat for 80-yard touchdown. All right, let's look at some uh, win totals. Where, who are you leaning over for, RJ? Yeah, so typically the value on win totals is on unders, and that's because when you add up all these numbers, they get you you have more wins than are available in an NFL season. So it's just <laughs> if, if if I tell you to pick a card out of a deck, but I take two red ones out and you leave 50 cards and say, before you pick that card, you want to bet that you pick a black or red one, you're going to bet black because it's just yeah. the probability is you're going to hit it. And that's kind of what it is, betting overs versus unders. People love betting overs, though. So, um, so I'm not going to detract you, you to not do them. I just think that the split at the end of the season is going to be 15 over over 17 unders, 14, 18, something like that, rather than an even split typically. So over teams that I think have some value, even with the lopsided board are Kansas City over 11 and a half at minus yeah. 115. Worst Mahomes season is 12 and five. Um, I just think they're giving me that, that, that division might be getting better. You know, Sean Payton is coach and, and some of the, the things that have gone on there, but nobody's going to challenge them. And Brinson always says how much of a genius he was to back them as a division winner last year. He says that it seems like every single podcast and it's kind of true. Like don't bet on that their downfall. They're always going to be good. So minus 115 yeah. just seems like value with them. Um, also like green Bay over seven and a half at plus plus one ten. you know, talked about the green Bay case earlier in Miami over nine and a half at plus one ten. getting plus odds on both those teams where I have positive expectations on them, I think is pretty solid. All right. What about unders? Unders, I'll likely be looking to play at some point. We'll see if there's any value on this is the Jets. They're nine and a half right now, but juiced heavily to the over. Um, I think it gets to 10 at some point. And at 10, I like going under. I don't see them as an 11 win team. I um, love it. Because Aaron Rodgers, upgraded quarterback, but I'm just not sure he's the guy of a few years ago. So I think he's going to be value there. I think if Detroit gets to 10 right now, it's nine and a half. um, Juice to the over. That might be an underplay because – you know, a lot of problems with their draft. A lot of people, I'm pan picking Jamar Gibbs with their their defensive issues um, at, in the top 12, um, picking Jack Campbell off ball linebacker. Um, so we'll see how good that team actually is. Um, of course, we know the receiver room is going to be a little barren after that news of the gambling suspensions came out. Huh. Um, so a lot of questions to answer. And I just, if you're going to put Detroit eventually at 10, and now you have to bet over to get to 11, you're accrediting them with a lot of success with a franchise that has trouble finding success. So I think there's going to be value there. And then Ryan's team, Chicago, it's minus 120 on the over right now. Maybe it gets to eight and I go for under, just expecting them to be improved from last year, but not being as improved to get to a winning Ooh. record from, from the worst team. In the That's a high number, seven and a half. Ooh. Yeah, I don't love that. Why do you feel about the Steelers winning this year? What about their win total? Does Mike Tomlin still have another winning season? What's their number, RJ? Um, their number is, I believe, eight and a half, which struck me as a little yeah. high in what's going to be a pretty good division. But I don't want to bet against them with Mike Tomlin quality as a coach. Kenny Pickett probably going to be better in year two. Um, so I, I really didn't want to fade them. I kind of had struggled a little bit on what to do with them. So I'm sure Ryan will, will be rah-rah back the over on them. But um, I, I'm kind of like on the fence. Yeah. No, I think that's the play only because Mike Tomlin refuses to lose, lose. more games than he's won. And it, even last year, I was like, oh, this team, eight and a half is the number minus one. It's minus money. Good Lord. I don't know if they're a nine win team on paper, but they find ways to do it. They'll probably, and Katie talked about this with the 49ers, they'll probably win two games in the first two months and then get hot, red hot, which is always what happens. And they'll miss the playoffs uh, and finish with nine wins. But um, Kenny Pickett will yep. be better. I'll, I'll give him credit for that. He played, he outpaced expectations for me last year. But I just think, I think the the Ravens are a team. What's the Ravens number, Billy? Because that's a team that oh. suddenly changed the complexion of their franchise by bringing Lamar back, getting Zay Flowers. I've been saying this for a while now. Zay Flowers has some Antonio Brown in his prime to his game, and he's finally a receiver that can – it's the first time they've drafted a receiver that can do something in the first round in a, in a very long time. And I wonder 
Ooh, nine and nine a half. Nine and that's, a half. That's sort of rich. <laughs> it's yeah. just to minus 130. And that's why the division odds are where they are. Because the Bengals, yeah. I think, should be minus odds to win the division. But because the Ravens are nine and a half minus 130 juice on the over, they're expecting them to be a 10-win team. Then you just, you know, oh. that that's the competition for the division. And, you know, I, I'm not sure I, I, I project that. I think Cincinnati should be a pretty decent favorite from the division. Yeah. No, I Could agree with that. you lean under here at plus 110? Yeah, um, hopefully it goes up a little more. Um, I, but I think the uh, the expectations is Lamar can't stay healthy, and and they've yeah. had their issues on the the offensive side of the ball developing an offense anyway. Maybe with the talent they brought in, the offensive coordinator they brought in, that's a little bit different here. Um, but you know, it, it's hard to take the under uh, against a team where I really love the head coach and just know that they're going to get max what they can get. And if injuries work their way, the Ravens are always going to be in their mix for, for maybe even to make a run for, for the AFC championship, just because he's that good of a coach. Um, the problem is they just haven't been able to stay healthy the last few years. Um, not just Lamar, but in, we've had seen those defensive injuries too. Remember they just, I think it was two years ago, it just seemed like every week they had a major defensive yeah. injury. And if, if health lines up for them at one point, you know, maybe they go back to being the Ravens. We remember. Yeah, maybe. All right. That's going to do it for us today from Wilson, RJ, and myself. Thanks for hanging out with us. Make sure you join us next week at 1 p.m. for more off-season coverage. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube page if you're listening to audio only. Make sure you download, follow, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends to listen and watch the pod. We'll see you next week. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.